Okay, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Sally. Or as almost always, I guess, last last episode I was not joined by you. I was very sad about that. <laughs> um, but also in the studio with us, we have yet another person on, on a three-mic setup, which I'm super excited <laughs> this about. This is exciting. Big shout out to Kevin for uh, for funding our Creedal Catholic growth and buying the third microphone for our, our little studio here. And manning that third microphone today is is not Kevin. Uh, thoughts and prayers. But... Uh, <laughs> But Elena, actually, Sally's sister. So you heard the last episode with Sally's sister and brother-in-law, Laura and Chandler. And we've just had a lot of... It's an inundation of foresights. It really is. So many, so many foresights visiting. Foresights visiting. This month. This month. <laughs> but I have been on the podcast before. In you fact, have. I was in one of the inaugural episodes. It's true. I think... I think you were the inaugural episode, right? Or Danny was the first one oh, and Danny Elena was, was the second one. I think mm-hmm. we recorded Elena first. Yes. Oh, no. What we did was we recorded... A, a test pilot episode, episode with oh, Elena. Do you that's that? right. We, we, yes. we had you on and we we talked to you for like an hour. About mm-hmm. Thailand. And no, it was more than that. We also talked about Johnny Cash. All kinds of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cash was later too. We had a longer Johnny Cash discussion. Mm-hmm. I think that was the same uh podcast we talked about Bodie McBoatface. Uh, um, uh-huh. But yeah, so we thought that Elena would be a great person to have on for another <laughs> like, episode along, of Food News. <laughs> I just know I just, that if I was listening to this, I would have already turned it off. I just want to finish <laughs> telling the story. So we called Elena up and we were like, hey, can we just have a test conversation with you to like sort of beta test our idea for a podcast? And, and Elena was like, sure, great. So we talked to her for like an hour and then we were like, okay, yeah, I think that worked. Do you want to do another hour in a couple weeks for the actual podcast? So thank you, Elena, for supporting us in our nascent podcasting beginning. dreams. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, we're going to do food news today. We did a food news episode in September. It was just so well received by all of our numerous fans out there <laughs> that we just thought we'd do it yet again. And really, I just had fun doing the podcast on Food News. <laughs> I like talking about food. Yeah. So. Okay, so the plan for today, we're going to each talk about three food news items. And a little surprise here, we have a taste test as well. Oh, I so, forgot about that. Yeah, oh, so we're going to taste it. Should we do the taste test now or should we do the taste test after the stories? Oh, uh, the end. Okay, the end. All right. Well, who wants to start the food news? Elena, you want to go as the guest, guest of honor? Sure. Okay. Except I'm afraid I'm going to burn you all down with my really amazing story that we're going to start off well, with. Well, I have to say, I, I know what this is going to be because I had to queue up some some technical things so we could play something for our Oh, this our is good and it is fresh. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is new you, in the news as of yesterday. Do you want to just queue this up or do you want me to just play? Mm, no, just start it. The Glen Levitt has released an original whiskey drinking experience. A collection of edible cocktail capsules made from seaweed, uh-huh. meaning no need for a glass, ice, or a cocktail stirrer. <laughs> I can't stop Okay, laughing. the seaweed thing. I hope this people is, notice the seaweed thing so first off. I, this is a YouTube video that we're playing right now. I wish people could see this because these look like edible Tide Pods. Tide Pods. Yeah. Ew. It's like yeah, inspired this- by the Tide Pod Challenge. As if, as if someone was like, we don't want teenagers eating detergent pods so instead we're gonna put liquor in them and, and then wrap it in seaweed so great. i i also don't understand why they're you know i mean the, the commercial itself sounds so sophisticated and this just sounds so cheesy it does. It sounds, <laughs> and, and when like you it's look taking them, away the sophistication of drinking alcohol right yes they're, you have look, no in the youtube video of- there's people like sitting well first of all they show the machining process and everything very Ew, very advanced gross. very impressive and then you have these people like sitting at a cocktail bar sampling. yeah well i love the first woman's reaction because she looks like wait what did i just eat there's like there's a flight of sampled <laughs> sample glenda that pots uh, why disgusting. would this increase your appreciation i have no idea that's a really good question it's just the convenience factor does glenda really well with, with seaweed 
Well, so I think the seaweed is like, it's a derivative of seaweed that creates that the capsule is formed from. Right. But this is what I don't so understand. It's like gelatin. What, so what you bite it and it's like a shot. Because yes, it seems like it tastes. I think so. And one of the sophisticated things about bourbon or whiskey is that you sip it. You know, you're not just, you're just downing it. Then you're just, who cares what it tastes like? What was the Vice News headline that was oh, yes. on, on point? Well, so we have a progression of headlines. You've got CNN, which says this capsule scotch whiskey doesn't require a glass. Then you've I'm got glad CNN <laughs> spending its time on this. This is good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you've got uh, you've got New York Post, which says Glenn Livett launches Tide Pod like cocktail capsules. Okay. Then you've got Vice News, which says at long last, alcoholic Tide Pods are finally at here. At long last. And then you've got AV News, which says. Glenn Livett's seaweed, potch, seaweed pouch scotch pods are a triumphant testament to the power of stupid. <laughs> I agree with all of those. Well, and it's weird one. because in the in the commercial, they're sitting in a bar. Right. So are bars going to be stocking these things? Because it seems like the the only thing they have going for it is that you can bring it around with you, right? Yeah. So you would buy them yourself and then you, oh, look, I'm in the, I don't know, I'm walking along the road and I... Don't have a glass. I don't know. I'm in the airport lounge, and if you're at a bar, will it be like just give me a single of Glenlivet? And the the (laughs) bar the bartender will be like, yeah, do you want it in a glass or in a Tide Pod? (laughs) (laughs) That's so strange. Yeah. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's going to take off. (laughs) It seems like a terrible (laughs) idea. Nice choice there. Okay, Sally. What do you have? What's What's the first one? So the first thing I have, I can't top what Elena just brought to the table, but. Dave Chang, who we've mentioned before on the podcast as having a very awesome ringer, uh, not, I guess, produced, right? He's not part of the ringer you know, network. It's, it's part of the ringer network, okay. but it's like a joint ringer Momofuku thing, I think. Okay. His, so he's Day a restaurateur and he has his own podcast. Yeah. And on his podcast, he recently said that the supermarket, quote unquote, ethnic food aisle, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, usually having Asian and Latin American country's food um, is the last bastion of racism that you can see in full daylight in retail America. And he recently said that on his podcast and um, his, his argument is that it is an example of segregation and marginalization of immigrants and people of color. And he remembers as a child, just growing up and feeling like there's, this is the food that I eat. And then this is the rest of America, white America. Hmm. So what do you guys think about that? That's interesting. I kind of feel like, the ethnic food section in the grocery store is more like a highlight of this is the only place you really need to go. Don't waste your time with all the yeah. rest of the food. Well, I do think I do think there is that convenience argument that it's not there's it's not about segregation or uh, or racism, but that it's mm-hmm. like there there are people who you know cook almost exclusively with these ingredients, and we're going to put everything they need right here. You know, if you want if you want like rice noodles and um, you know, hoisin sauce or duck sauce with those, like it's all going to be right here in this aisle. It's right for you. Um, and that's what supermarket um, owners have said that it's for convenience and because it actually boosts sales, yeah. which I would, I can imagine that because when I go to that section looking for something and I see something else that I can also use right. or want to try, then I'll buy that. Yeah. I also think it's just, I mean, I like Dave Chang and I think he has good takes on a lot of stuff. I haven't listened to his show in a while, but I used to listen to it pretty regularly. Yeah, when you first started. One of the things he really educated me on was the the whole MSG scare. You know, people say they get MSG headaches, and Dave Chang criticizes that as, like, thinly veiled racism because I think people criticize it as just, like, the the common complaint against 
cheap Asian food is just to blame MSG for headaches you get when you eat too much of said cheap Asian food. Yeah, when it's actually an amazing ingredient that adds like this umami factor yeah, to whatever you're that's cooking. Yeah, because that's like the, that's the fifth, the fifth taste perception, right? Yeah, the um, umami. umami. Yeah, so um, I thought that was a really interesting uh, insight that Dave Chang had. But here, I just think it's it's just so overkill to call ethnic food aisles the last bastion of racism in retail. Like, first of all, I guess it sounds like bastion, a lot more intentional. I mean, that's a than, quote, right? Bastion of racism. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I mean, bastion, really, that's what we're going with. Uh, and then racism, I just think it cheapens actual racism when we just call yeah, everything racism. Like, if we want to have a conversation about how there are better ways to be sensitive to immigrant and immigrant communities and people of color with respect to food and food placement in retail stores, that's fine. Let's have that conversation. And I think that's a good conversation worth having, but let's not call this the last bastion of racism in retail America. Like that just seems a little, a little overkill to me. Yeah. And it's definitely not too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. did he just limit it to retail America? Cause I mean, maybe that's a qualifier that yeah. theoretically, you know, conceivably make it fit, but sure. honestly there's, there are way worse problems that we have yeah. than the grocery store. He said that you can see in full daylight in retail America. You can see, I mean, I guess that there are a lot of qualifiers there. Yeah. Uh, I still think the words bastion and racism are, are a bit strong for this. Again, if we want to have a conversation about how we can better feel make people make people feel included uh with respect to food in stores but i also think the ethnic aisle is kind of going away i mean i was in a grocery store today and it was not called ethnic the the quote ethnic aisle as dave chang's referring it referring to it as but there there was there were a bunch of foods that were lumped together under an asian sign and then across the aisle from that was the latin american and then across the aisle from that was i think i think it just said pasta but it was for all intents and purposes, Italian. Italian. But then if you were to go to the freezer section and I walked through that as well, I mean, there were definitely like, there were, you know, you have Asian, you know, uh, uh, pad thai, like a- Asian dishes like pad thai, General's house chicken, things like that. So it's not like everything is just confined to one section. And it's, it, this is not, this is not like the 21st century version of separate water fountains, you know? Right. Um, this is- Well, it's is is, usually, it's not in a separate corner of the store right. or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. This is where those people shop and this is where we shop. Yeah, it's not even like it's in an inconvenient place. I mean, at the, so the Mariano's near my office, um, which I go to Oh, I love often. Mariano's. That's such a cool store. Yeah, Mariano's is, yeah, it's pretty good up until recently for the most part. Anyways. What happened uh, recently? <laughs> Oh, they were bought by Kroger and it all. Oh, like, gotcha. People are just disappointed that it's not as classy. Yeah, as King Super Sierra is owned by Kroger. Yeah. Well, anyway, so in the uh, in the quote unquote ethnic food section, it's first of all, it's not only just Latin American or Asian. They also have French, Italian, and a bunch of European, Middle Eastern, yeah, um, ethnicities represented. And then there's like this banner over it with all these international flags. So it's almost oh, like a cool. celebration of ethnic foods, right. yeah, rather than relegating them to this category. That's how yeah, I've that's always a really seen. Good point. The those, I mean, I haven't always seen flags over the aisles and everything, but I've always seen those as more like a celebration of different cultural foods, international foods. I've I've seen the label, the aisles labeled international rather than ethnic too. I do think ethnic is sort of a an older label for those aisles. But yeah, the only other thing that I would say to this is that if uh, one of the the only advantage that, or an advantage that I would see of letting quote unquote ethnic foods blend into the rest of the rest of the grocery store is um, I live in a place, a part of Chicago that's like little Vietnam. So there are a bunch of Vietnamese owned um, Thai owned grocery stores in my area that are specifically of those cultures. And they're also Middle Eastern owned yeah. or Arabic grocery stores. And those are really fun places to yeah, go that would to. Be awesome. And it's fun to support the people who, cause it's usually immigrants who mm-hmm. are owning those stores and running those stores. So 
the advantage that I would see of reducing the accessibility or, you know, highlighting quote unquote ethnic foods in normal grocery stores. That it just sends you to those. Yeah. Is that it, it does stores. force you to um, go a little bit out of your comfort zone in order to get what you value from those cultures. Well, I think that's great. I mean, that's just an argument against like uh, mega, mega, yeah, right. ca- mega capitalist <laughs> all, all in one grocery stores. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I had another, oh, oh, when we lived in Oxford, that's what I was going to say. Right beneath our flat was a Korean uh, grocery store and they didn't sell exclusively Korean foods, but the proprietor, proprietors were Korean. And that's where we got our rice noodles because we looked all around English grocery stores to find rice noodles for a certain dish. What was it? Was it the coconut? Um, I think it was the Thai, co- the Thai coconut chicken that we. Yeah. Made. Yeah. I think yeah. So, so we get rice noodles for this and that was the only place we could find, find them. So mm-hmm. to your point, um, Okay, anyway, you guys ready for my first article? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Sally, I I thought of you when I was reading this because this involves two of your favorite things, Trader Joe's and liturgical living. Oh, great. That is true, yeah. I'm just going to read you this headline. Not in that order, but yes. (laughs) Right. Here we go. Trader Joe's is showing major love to cats with new treat-filled advent calendars. Oh, my gosh. no. Scale of one to ten, how excited are you about treat-filled cat advent calendars. No. Zero. <laughs> Negative numbers. I obviously facetiously describe this as liturgical living because this is actually more of a corruption of liturgical living. People treat advent calendars as treat-filled countdowns to the big treat-filled day, the day. of Christmas. And that's not what advent... I mean, Instead of a preparation advent- for the... 12 day or sometimes 15 or longer right. day celebration of Christmas. Yeah. This reminds me of a former work colleague I once had who described to me that he and his wife were doing the 12 days of Christmas for their kids. And I was like, Oh, that's great. So you start on Christmas and go 12 days with a, a gift a day. And he was like, Oh no, we count down to Christmas day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, one gift per day of Christmas. And uh, there are these ideas that permeate culture. They obviously have their roots in historic Christianity and how, Christians have celebrated the liturgical seasons, but they just get perverted. And I'm not saying that we can't give treats to cats at all. I mean, giving treats to cats is great and we should love our pets and treat them well. But um, these Advent filled calendars in general just irritate me. Like they make them for kids. And, um, you know, I think I saw a Lego Advent calendar where you get like a little Lego creation each day or a little chocolate filled Advent calendar. And it's, it's, um, it's, it really cheapens everything because A, most of them take the liturgical. Um, the, the liturgical context out of it and it's really just a small little countdown to Christmas. Right. And two, they completely forget the penitential season of Advent as a penitential season and a season of anticipation and preparation right. and instead just well, look at it, it as just one be, big festival So easy season. to start selling calendars that started on Christmas Day. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to? But unfortunately by then we're kind of so tired of Christmas that a lot of yeah. people are ready to stop. If you haven't actually celebrated Advent the way it's supposed to be celebrated, then Yo, that's you're when sick they, of Christmas. Yeah, that's when the, the stores 25th. break out the the Peeps and all the other Valentines, the <laughs> Russell Stover's chocolates and stuff. So, Yeah, there's right. a whole industry we're working against here. So if we had a cat, would we be getting the Trader Joe's Advent cat calendar selling? I think we would pass. Okay. All right. Well, that's my first story. My, my first story. This, is, this is one area in which Trader Joe's has failed me. So <laughs> That and not having pierogies. I, I have a hard time speaking, believing that you're Speaking Trader of Joe's not valuing produce. international foods appropriately. <laughs> Come on, Trader Joe's, get some pierogies. Well, I will say um, regarding our conversation about Dave Chang's 
criticism of the ethnic food aisle that Trader Joe's does a fairly good job of integrating their ethnic food throughout. There is kind of a section of Indian food um, in the, but in, it's in the freezer section. So, I mean, where yeah. else would it all go? Um, but, and I asked them recently for kimchi when we were celebrating a Korean martyrs feast oh, day. Oh, what a delicious food. And they don't have that, but she directed me to a Korean grocery store. Okay, so nice. kind of the best of both worlds in some ways. Cause well, let's go have, to that grocery store because I want some yeah, kimchi. Definitely. That's, I mean, the best place I've had kimchi recently is the H Mart in Austin. Yeah, that, that was, was really a good. real deal. Mm-hmm, it was a real deal. Amazing. <laughs> All right. So sorry. Continuing on, Elena, do you have another? All right. I do. I have one. I have one uh, more story. So this one was in the news lately and I mocked it the first time uh, with, I think, legitimacy because uh, there was a report about a some scientist unnamed in the headlines who discredited meat guidelines, meaning he said that all the things that you worried about with red meat and uh, and ground beef and things like that are you no longer need to worry about. Eat as much of it as you want. And all of Texas rejoiced. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Texas was like, we knew it. <laughs> but first of all, okay, one scientist, as as if we haven't had ex, quote unquote experts once again competing uh, when it comes to advice about these things for as long as people have been talking Always about dietary back restrictions. Yeah, yeah. So for like the last practically 70 years probably since world war ii and processed foods and industrialization of the food industry and things like that people have had competing ideas about what is worth eating so first of all i thought it was ridiculous that that they considered it news that someone else has another opinion yeah (laughs) second of all i think it's a little bit ridiculous because it's never the same for any two any any group of people you can't tell everyone what's appropriate for them to eat and you might have someone who has a history of heart disease and they should definitely avoid red meat or whatever else it is. So the whole concept of some expert telling everyone what they should should or shouldn't consume is a little silly to me. But then most recently it came out. <laughs> surprise, surprise. That this guy has a background of some time in his history having been paid by some part of the food industry that would benefit from this news. And so people are upset now that he hasn't reported his, his past connections. So like he owns stock in meat companies or maybe there's just some ethical. Yeah. So it's multiple years ago that he was paid by whatever it was, the beef, some part of the beef industry or something like that. But uh, yeah, it just seems it, the whole thing seems absurd to me. It is crazy there. I was reading an article. I don't know if it was in the Atlantic or, I don't remember exactly, but it was several years ago. It was all about how the sugar industry paid researchers for decades, especially after World War II, to produce research showing how the real culprit of heart disease was fat. Yeah. And there are there are strong links. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I don't want to go. I'm not going to tell you like where to look, but just, you know, if you're interested, look this up. There are strong links between sugar consumption and heart disease, potentially stronger links or, you know, at least as strong as the links between fat and heart disease. Well, and people have said for however, you know, for I remember, you know, our dad had cholesterol issues back in the day and he tried to stay away from eggs because yeah. pe- people thought that because eggs had a lot of cholesterol that it was right bad for you now people are saying eggs are the perfect food right, because right. of the balance of protein <laughs> right. and uh and fat in them and, and they like have the, the good, good, they cholesterol. The good cholesterol yeah, yeah right exactly. right so i just the whole thing is is rigged in my opinion well I, so i think that this this does get to some deeper questions about food consumption that we've engaged on the podcast before but i think we spend too much time we're borderline orthorexic in figuring out exactly what the right things are to eat and 
Whole Foods has a customer base because of this exact issue. People think they need to eat food that's totally free of all impurities and is going to like unlock the key to immortality for them. Well, I think that's the thing. We want to live forever. We do. We forgot memento more. <laughs> we forgot we're going to die someday. Yeah, exactly. And, and no matter what you do, you're still going to die someday. There's this Twitter account. I'm going to see if I can find it, but it is a memento more Twitter account. And every <laughs> day, it I think it's once a day. Oh, or once I love an hour, this. Oh, I follow this it one. It tweets, you will die someday. You will die someday. <laughs> Sometimes I am so glad to hear that. <laughs> you will die someday. I'm going to try to find it right now. That's so, so good. Yeah. It's called uh, Daily Death Reminders. Okay, let's see. Wow. Daily Death Reminders wow. on Twitter. Is that the handle? I believe, um, I don't know, but if you look that up, you'll find it. Yeah, at death underscore, wait, this is the right one. Uh, yes, at death underscore reminder. And every day you will die someday. You will die someday. Oh my you goodness. will die. This, so, I mean, it sounds morbid. The, the, uh, it just sounds funny. The profile picture is actually the Grim Reaper. But it's, it's true. <laughs> I mean, we do need that, that reminder. We do, because we're, we will all die someday. And, and so do you want to spend your time trying to make yourself perfect in body when you're just going to die someday? Now, obviously, there's an Aristotelian mean here. You right. can mm. you can try to eat well and eat the food that Take will care of your body. enable you yes. to have human flourishing. But right. what does that what does that does that mean? Never touching red meat, or does that mean trying know, to prolong your life indefinitely? Right, or does that mean you know engaging in food Balance, selectively moderate. And, and eating birthday cake on birthdays because right. what an, what an feasting occasion, on right? feast days exactly. So uh, yeah, there's that. I also think this is this is sort of my we we talked about this a little bit with with Kylie years ago about intuitive eating, but my general approach to these things, you know, there are new studies that come out every week about what, what will and will not lead to heart disease or cancer or any number, Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever, any, any number tactics. of maladies. My general approach, and maybe this is, maybe this is just because I'm young-ish, but my general approach is I eat food that like, makes me feel pretty good. And if I'm drinking soda all day, every day, I'm not going to feel good. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And if I eat red meat every day for dinner, I'm not going to feel good. So I'm not going to do that. But if I eat, you know, a balanced diet in moderation and avoid foods that generally you know, hurt my stomach or just make me feel sluggish, whatever, then I'm not going to eat those things. It's, uh, it's, it's fairly simple. And I, I also am blessed to not have a lot of dietary restrictions. I understand some people have legitimate medical restrictions and stuff, but we just need to stop trying to be so concerned about, um, independent of genuine allergies and dietary restrictions trying to just preserve our lives forever because it's not going to happen. It's never going to work. All right. So, so Sally, what's your next one? My second, my second food news is, uh, on the long, along the lines of feasting. Have you guys heard of most stuff Oreos? So you know how they have like <laughs> I have heard extra of stuff Oreos and like <laughs> yes. all these different versions. Well, you know, apparently, I, I really like the the normal Oreos. I am a never... double stuff guy, but I but the, the most stuff of is, most stuff is hilarious. It's absurd. Oh my gosh, like, that looks gross. It looks it's like an so ice cream much. sandwich. If it's that was so ice much. cream, if it was ice cream, it. right? Yeah, that would yeah. be amazing. Those but... are actually real though. They're, they're real Oreos. Like that's that's Oreo brand Nabisco. Yes, they're they're re-releasing them. Apparently, wow. they had come out with them before, but now they're re-releasing them. And yeah, most stuff Oreos. I just feel like this is why we can't have nice things. Oh yeah, there's apparently <laughs> double stuff and mega stuff. I also so feel both like both of those. It's bigger than both of those. Wait, there's mega stuff as yeah. well. So this, when we were growing up, correct me if I'm wrong, there were two, maybe at the tail end of our childhood, three types of Oreos. There was the regular Oreos, which would sometimes come out with a slight variation, which was like a different imprint on the actual wafer, you know, like a different design or 50th anniversary or whatever. And then there were double stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think like towards the end of childhood, there were the uh-oh or, or the... Uh, yeah, the uh-oh, inside is that what it was? out. Yeah, inside. It was like the, the vanilla cookie chocolate, chocolate cream. Right? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Those are what I remember as the well, three. Well, yeah, I mean, this kinds. article points out that they now have all these crazy flavors. It's crazy. Like maple syrup and mint chocolate ice cream and even buttered popcorn. Yeah, that I, I, don't, I don't know what happened here, but something went horribly, horribly wrong at, the, at Nabisco <laughs> because they had a winning product. And for those who love the cream, like we all do, I think, or most of us do, except for Elena, there were the double <laughs> stuff and you could have a little bit of extra cream and like, that was delicious. And then they decided to make mega stuff and mo- uh, yeah, most, most, most stuff. Most well, stuff. but then they also messed up the cream too by making it, I mean, the peanut butter one is probably okay, but I like regular peanut butter more. But then you've also got the mint cream and- There's yeah. mocha. The mocha is yeah. disgusting. I got it once because I was like, this is intriguing. And I tasted one, I was like, this is horrible. Yeah. And I just lost $4. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's the butterscotch. There's like pumpkin- there's uh it's a buttered popcorn yeah ridiculous i don't know what happened if i wanted a flavor of everything i would buy jelly beans but i don't exactly <laughs> yeah i i don't even know we just it's a, it's a bygone era the old oreos <laughs> all right Zach, what are those another? what are those oreos that we found out about though that we actually tried once and they were good they were oh the thin ones yes yes oh yes the that's if you want no not the oreo thins no 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 the oh, okay like the original oreos but then there was like oh, a there was like right. a a trademark dispute or something. Yes, I forget what they're called now. It's like the they have a unusual name. The something locks or what? Uh, Never heard of this. It's another. It's an Oreo like cookie, an H, but I it's, think. Yeah, huh. it's not Horrocks. That's the grocery store. Yeah. But it's it's um. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna search Oreo like cookie. <laughs> Hydrox. Hydrox. Yes, thank what? you. That That's is it. not even. That doesn't even sound like a cookie name. Hydrox yeah. is the brand name for a cream-filled chocolate sandwich cookie manufactured by Leaf Brands. That it's better than Oreo. Well, are you advocating for that? Listen to this. Oh, we haven't tried it. Oh, yeah. It's uh, hard no, to no, find, we tried I it think. once. It was good. Oh, was I don't good. remember that. It's like the classic Oreo, and it debuted in 1908. Oreo debuted in 1912. Totally, and how did totally Oreo ripped win? them off. Uh, I mean, it's just like how um, the cassette won over the Betamax. You mm. know, it's like. Lies. I don't know that story, even though I'm older than you. I think it was the cassette and the Betamax. I don't even, it was definitely long before my time. Well, now we've moved past Oreo and it's it. just Trader Joe's, JoJo's in our house. That's true. They're, they're tasty and they don't have most stuff. Trader Joe's, JoJo's. <laughs> okay. Here's my next article. I think you guys are going to like this. Have you been to Hershey's Park or Hershey Park? Yes. Mm, Pennsylvania? Yeah. No. It's cool. It's like, it's, I mean, it's a Hershey themed park. Lots of chocolate, which is just wonderful. It's like a Hershey factory. Wonderful rides. Factory tours, the whole nine yards. Okay, well, they Hershey Park has announced an upcoming chocolate town. Okay. Oh, my. So listen to this. Let me, let me read you the lead here. The chocolate heaven that already exists on Earth is about to get even better. You know Hershey Park? The theme park with more than 70 rides, a water park, and a zoo. Just when you thought they couldn't make things any better, they went ahead and announced that next year they're opening Chocolate Town, which is exactly what you're imagining, and more. It's next an summer, edible town? Uh, well, okay, maybe not exactly what you're imagining. <laughs> No, that's what I think of. Next summer, the amusement park will be opening the gates to a world all about chocolate. Their newest addition to the park will feature their 15th roller coaster, Candymonium. See what they did there? Which apparently is going to be the tallest, fastest, longest, and sweetest coaster they've ever had. Wow. How do you measure the sweetness of a coaster? Uh, I don't know. Sweet factor. Okay. They're also going to have three new dining experiences. The Chocolatier Restaurant Bar plus Patio, Milton's Ice Cream Parlor, and the Sweetery. The Chocolatier will be serving food and drinks embedded with bits of chocolate. Oh, man. Sounds so cool. This forthcoming park sounds beyond incredible and extremely chocolate-filled. All right. There's going to also be a 10,000-square-foot merchandise store because you have to buy Hershey things. That's crazy. At Hershey Park. I will pass. I also thought it was Hershey's Park. This, I'm going to look this up. Elena, do you have anything to add on Chocolate Town? Would you visit Chocolate Town? 
Only if I happen to be driving by. I don't think that I don't think it's enough of a draw that it would get go me. out First of your of all, way. <laughs> also, I can't say the Hershey's is my favorite kind of chocolate. Oh no, yeah, I agree I mean, with that. Yeah, it's okay, but what's your go to? What's your go to? Uh, Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's what? Dark chocolate the bars in yeah in okay. any form yeah. whether it's dark chocolate, almonds, dark chocolate, whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dark Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter. Cups. The only thing Can they I get don't have though Those are, really are dark good. chocolate chips. We have to get ours at another grocery store. Oh, that's store. sad. Yeah. But yes, dark chocolate. And Hershey's just isn't, or Ghirardelli. Ghirardelli is great. Ghirardelli yes. is really good. That's what good. we yeah. like to yes. get. Yeah. So I'd say it's on sale. Yes to that. <laughs> but yeah, I just can't say Hershey's chocolate is good for one thing and one thing only. That is s'mores. Mm, yes. So. Sally's S'more Factory. Yeah. Sally's Sally, S'more Factory. Sally is that the is legendary. S'more machine. They um, should hire you for the new Hershey theme park. Oh, totally. That's true. You could, could work in Chocolate Town. Perfect. You could work in the Chocolatier. Wow. I love this idea. Okay, I have. I could get free free perks. I have one final contribution. Okay, and that is from Bon Appetit. The article is all about how wonderful PG Tips tea is. Mm, PG yes. Tips is the tops, and I. That's the name of the article. Agree. PG Tips is the tops. Yes, and this just came out a couple of days ago, but I completely agree. I recently started drinking PG Tips as my tea of choice, and it's just like good black tea. I feel like you know very British when I drink it, and it's great with milk. And I love it. I wouldn't say I love it more than coffee, but it's definitely, it's very close to being like a good cup of coffee. And you drink your tea exclusively with milk, right? I do. I don't drink it black. Okay. I don't drink anything black. Um, coffee or tea. Is that the term for tea? Black? I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess for black tea, right? <laughs> yeah. Black tea. Black. This is black tea. Yeah. What do you call green tea if you're not drinking it with cream? <laughs> is it green? I'll, I'll just have it green, please. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even know. I just know that if you put milk in it, you call it milk tea. Don't you? Milk I have tea? no idea. Oh, okay. Milk tea. I don't know. It's kind of strange. Milky tea. So if I go to a restaurant and order milk tea, will <laughs> they give me tea <laughs> with milk in it? I think they'll ask you what kind of tea you want, but I don't know. Okay. That's a great question. I'm going to have to try this. Yeah, I think you'll have to follow up on this one. Because there's also the tea, tea latte, right? Well, what is that? Is that like a chai latte? Yes, but Foam. it's steamed milk. Oh. Yeah. So if you get, oh man, if you get a London Fog at Starbucks, it's Earl Grey tea with steamed milk or mm. cream Ooh, i do love earl grey oh and it is really good especially London if you fog. have a little bit of honey but i even that. like pg tips better than earl grey it's mm. really good wait does pg tips have an earl grey flavor oh that's a good question i just, just have the, the regular brand, right i don't know well yeah, that's a good question i, I think it is the, the brand but there's also like the standard standard PG flavor tips, yeah i think mm. oh, i just tried it for the first time and just got a small box of like 40 tea bags mm. oh and i think what's unique about it is it has the triangle shape so it's supposed to be like really good for oh, steeping. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So anyways, I got it and it actually came from a British distributor. It took forever to arrive, Wait, what's but the it point finally of the triangle? did. I think it's for better steeping, like oh. brewing. Okay. You yeah, I don't know. Okay. Better than just the bag. Sure. It is a little bit, I don't know, like it hand like aerodynamically or or like yeah it does seem like there's more room because the thing about tea is that the leaves expand yeah. when they're in hot water so that's why they you know you do the have at those fancy places like argo and tazo and um whatever the other fancy tea places are yeah. you know you get loose leaf tea mm -hmm. or you get it in that little tea ball yep. or they also have these um i forget which which one it is but they have these um pods sort of and they bloom speaking of pods yeah the tide pods yeah <laughs> no but it's like <laughs> coming for full circle that's yeah, a seaweed encased tea leaves it's great <laughs> but they're like in the in the shape of a little ball and it blooms um but you can use it in, that sounds cool yeah you can use it in a french press oh. um 
So, but yes, yeah, so the tea needs room to expand mm-hmm. when you put the hot water over it. Yeah, and, and these so are soft the, little bags. So a little pyramid pod a little or pyramid bag is yeah. more uh, conducive. Yeah, aerodynamic is the wrong. That's not, I totally <laughs> used the wrong. <laughs> Hydrodi- the, hydrodynamic. hydrodynamic. Yeah, the, the, way it, the, the way it behaves in a fluid is what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Uh, not air. I mean, air is a fluid. It's kind of more fun say. too. Um, okay, you ready for my last article? Yes, please. Okay, this and is. And the taste test. This is pretty minor, but I'm excited about it. General Mills has just announced limited edition toasted coconut Cheerios. Interesting. Sounds oh pretty good, Interesting. right? Toasted coconut Cheerios. It might be too much coconut, but I I, I would try. Well, it might you be. Tried you gotta try it. It's kind of like the pumpkin Cheerios? spice. Yeah, yeah. I I would have to try those to see if I. But you guys them. know what my favorite Cheerio is, right? Chocolate, uh, chocolate yes. Cheerios. I don't think Selling I've ever had chocolate Cheerios. I'm, well, a t- no, I'm a yes. toasted. I'm gonna hot. One time hot. you must have because you guys paid me for a babysitting night in chocolate Cheerios once. Maybe oh. you. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. I do remember So that. good. I mean, I, I do love- I think Hot Cocoa O's have just supplanted chocolate Cheerios oh, in my yes. mind. Oh, yeah. Trader so. Joe's Hot Cocoa O's. Yeah. But uh, I do like Honey Nut. Honey Nut Cheerios. The, anything close to the original, but any deviant flavor That's just of like the deviant my flavor, childhood like in a box. Chocolate. Honey Nut Cheerios. Um, do you yes. guys remember multi-grain Cheerios as a kid? Yeah. And I thought that they were special, but they're really not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's healthy. They're slightly sweetened, though. They're sweeter than they the are. They ones. are sweetened, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like the marketing gimmick of a lifetime. Classic Parents 90s. are like, wow, multigrain for my children. This is great. Yeah. I'm exposing them to more grains and, and more also sugar. hype them up on sugar. <laughs> and the kids will love it. And I'll just be like, wow, they really love this healthy multigrain stuh um, Taste test time? Do you, oh, yeah, real quick, though. Did you guys have a favorite cereal growing up? I was a Lucky Cocoa Charms Puffs guy. Were a big oh. Guys, did I tell you, Sally, that uh, I found Cocoa Wheats in the grocery store? Oh, I found them back, I think, when we lived in St. Louis. Maybe in Austin. Fun story. I'd never heard of Cocoa Wheats before marrying Sally. They're really good. And, and she mentioned Cocoa Wheats one day. I, I tried like, them on my children this? a while ago, and they did not like them. So I need to try them again. Yes. Because they were my favorite hot cereal. Yeah. Well, I tried my them on- My favorite cold cereal was definitely Cocoa Puffs, because I think probably because we got it so irregularly. Yes. I had cream of wheat growing up a lot. But and I still remember the like gruel. Cocoa Puffs jingle. Do you remember? No. So, Creamy hot cereal with the cocoa treat to be big and strong and lots of fun. Eat cocoa wheats, everyone. I have literally no idea what you're talking <laughs> about. Salted butter. That is the best yep. use for salted butter is on your cocoa wheats. <laughs> that does, I mean, sounds like it, there's, there's, there are very little, there are very few bad uses of salted butter. It's true. Um, yeah. Speaking of gruel though, my parents used to make gruel and it was Real terrible. Gruel? What is, well, what is it? I don't know. It had like weird grains in it and it wasn't good. Isn't it just cream like, of wheat? No, no. Because this wasn't like out of a box. They would like make it from scratch. I was thinking about this when we were watching the episode of The Office last night where Michael Scott says, in prison Mike, he says in prison they had gruel, gruel sandwiches. You're like, yeah, that's what I grew up with. <laughs> I, it wasn't, I didn't grow up with it, but I definitely remember a few times where my parents made this thing that we called gruel. Maybe it was like. Probably just facetiously. Uh, it was some sort of a gruel joke. Yeah. <laughs> All right, are we ready for our taste ready test? Ready for the taste uh, test. Okay, so what I have today is I actually looked I looked for a long time in a grocery store to find something that was really worth taste testing, and I didn't find anything. And unfortunately, we didn't think about this early enough when we went to Trader Joe's earlier this week. Right. Can we that please, would have been... Guys, can we follow up on the Glenlivet uh, alcohol? Taste oh, like that? Whiskey yeah. pots? Oh, my I would, goodness. I mean, I don't know how you feel about alcohol on like while you're podcasting, but I would totally do this with you guys. I would come back to Colorado Let's Springs from Chicago just to would do you really? this. really? I'll hold you to, to that. Because we'll, we'll February. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, so what are we eating, Zach? <laughs> so I didn't find anything until I was in the checkout line, <laughs> and I saw 
spiced pumpkin pie cliff bar. And okay. I thought, oh, seasonal cliff bar variety. Wow. It so, smells like does it, pumpkin. Yeah, Elena's just torn into it already. She's just chowing down right now. <laughs> well, it smells it smells good. I need to do a more holistic evaluation. So this I've opened it up and it looks like generic cliff bar. Cliff bars, of course, re- resemble like crusted, like crusted dog poop on the outside. <gasps> Ew. That's so, what they look like. I mean, if you saw this like lying on the ground I outdoors. I to the name though that's because gross. this what has a raisin in it. It seems more like pumpkin bread than pumpkin pie. Pumpkin bread. Okay. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. And does it taste spiced? Yes, very spiced. It I smells like very spiced. Let's see. Yeah, let's give it a little. Give it a little chew. Mm. Oh, nutmeg, ginger, cloves. Yep, I can mm-hmm. taste those. Yeah, that's good. I do like the spice part of this. Yeah, I like the spice. Would you want to eat an? We just split a bar three ways. Would you want to eat an entire bar of this? This is, I don't know. My go-to cliff flavor is normally like the chocolate brownie. That is my go-to favorite as yeah. well. Um, the mint chocolate's actually surprisingly good as well. Good. Oh, okay. I don't know about the spiced pumpkin pie. Uh, I like it. Yeah? Yeah. So on a, sc- on a scale of one to 10, what does the spiced pumpkin pie earn from you, Sally? Uh, you know what I'd like to do while you're thinking about your rating, Sally? I'd like to do a comparison of various pumpkin pie bars because I'm pretty sure Lara Bar has a pumpkin one. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, maybe seven, six. Basically, any of their peanut butter flavors will top pumpkin spice, but I I do like the pumpkin spice. You know, as I uh, as I just like swallowed my first bite, mm. it sort of like has the spice sort of sits with you a little bit, and it tastes more like pumpkin pie after you after you swallow oh, it. Oh, interesting! Because it has that like nutmeggy pumpkiny uh-huh. aftertaste. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. yeah, yeah. Very fall like. Yeah, and it's not too sweet. Okay, Lena, what do you what do you give this on a scale? While you have your mouth full, let me just ask you this mm. very well timed question. I hope you can't hear it like crunching <laughs> through the mic. I think you probably can. Probably. Sorry um, to your listener. Yeah, sorry everybody. <laughs> um what would my rating be? If I wanted pumpkin pie or pumpkin bread, I feel like I would eat that, I guess. So Over this? Yeah. So this is interesting. Sally compared this to all other Cliff Bars, and you're comparing this to an actual pumpkin pie oh, or pumpkin bread. don't do that. Yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> um, think of it as, yeah. I don't think I would p- pick it compared to other Cliff Bars. No other Cliff Bars? Oh, like this, okay. This is the worst Cliff Bar flavor? Um, Brutal. Okay, it's better than like the blueberry one, probably. Oh, yeah, blueberry one. I used to- uh, I never choose fruit flavored ones. Where was oh. I? I think I was, the trail oh, mix I know, pretty good. when I was deployed, that has peanuts in it. back in the day when I was active duty Air Force, when I was deployed, we had unlimited Cliff Bars, <laughs> and they were always the oh, worst flavors, right. so I had, brought home a I had Cliff Bars on Cliff Bars on Cliff Bars of the blueberry variety. Why? Not, yeah. Well, I just stocked up on, on them, like when I got, in case I got hungry Hoarding. in my room, which, I, which I did. Scarcity mentality. Because that's what they had. It was oh, blueberry. I think there was oh, one of their flavors. That's a bummer. But they, they weren't, of course, the really good flavors. And then I did bring a bunch home for our kids. Do they like it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. they just like anything that I bring home from work. <laughs> <laughs> what kid won't eat of Cliff Bar? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so six from you, Sally. Sure. Mm, Elena, five. what's the one to ten? Five? Wow. I am normally the critic here, but I will go higher than both of you. I think this is like an eight on the Cliff Bar scale. Wow. Nice. Wow. Hmm. I mean, it's you good. are a Cliff Bar connoisseur, I think. I, well, I've had way too many of them, but, uh, yeah, this is good. I, I enjoy this. I wouldn't want to eat like a lot of them in a row, but that's not what a Cliff Bar's for. Sure. So yeah. yeah, this is good. Little after a little ascent of the incline, I'd take a little pumpkin spice bar at the top. Mm. <laughs> it was a fun, fun hike this morning. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening to our second episode of Food News. Sally's like, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> thanks for listening to the end. I'm sure many of you turned this off by now. And we'll be back again many moons from now with another episode of Food News. Big thank you to Elena for joining us on I'll this come episode. Back if we have Whiskey Tide Pods. Let's do it. If I buy the Whiskey Tide Pods, will you come back on the show? Oh, you bet. Okay. I totally will. Cool. Sounds good. Sally, anything else to add to this wonderful conversation? Until next time. I know you've had a lot of fun. Always. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to Vernacular Podcast. You can reach out to us, Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of Food News. If it was too much, go ahead and keep that information to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week.